You are listening to episode number 75, the single most important thing you need to know about success. My name is Antracia Moorings, and welcome to Unfolding Words, where I share biblical truth to offer light for your walk and life for your soul. Thank you so much for joining me again today. Just a reminder that the Genesis Bible study, Dust and Divinity, will be starting the first Monday in January. I hope you'll join me. It will be an 11-week study. It sounds intense. It is a little bit, (laughs) but it is a study that you will enjoy. So you can pick up your workbook on Amazon. It's called Dust and Divinity and will be starting in January of 2020. This week, I want to talk about something that is very popular in our culture, success. We all want it. We're all chasing after it in one way or another in some part of our lives, whether it's our family, our finances, our relationships, our jobs. We all want success in something in our lives. I want to take a look at success through God's lens. Let's consider the fact that Noah preached for more than 100 years while building the ark, but no one beside his family was on the ark with him. What does this say about what we often view as successful ministry versus faithfulness or obedience to God? In 2 Peter 2 and 5, it says Noah is called a preacher of righteousness, but that doesn't necessarily mean he was an evangelist in the way that we view evangelism today, going around preaching or spreading the word. His message was more like the one that he lived out as he built the ark for all those years. Noah probably offered a word of caution to those who may have come up to him and questioned what he was doing, but Noah's main work was building and not much else. Noah was not called to save a generation or preach the gospel like we know it today, but to condemn it. His mission was similar to that of Isaiah, as we read in Isaiah 6, 8, and 10, where Isaiah got his commission from the Lord. It says, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am, send me. And he said, Go, and say to this people, Keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of this people dull and their ears heavy and their blind eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. And this is similar to what was happening in Noah's day. He was building the ark because destruction was going to come. But the scripture says that people were still partying, marrying and giving in marriage. So it was life as usual. They were not hearing or seeing the spiritual significance of what Noah was doing. Only eight people entered that ark, Noah and his wife, his three sons, and their wives. Noah the person came to faith and escaped destruction. Though by building the ark, Noah preached righteousness, as I mentioned, for about 100 years. And from the scriptures, there's not even a clear indication that Noah's family shared his faith. And it's interesting that the you in Genesis 6 and 14 and verses 19 are singular. It says, make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch and every living thing of all flesh. You shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. All of the you's. When God is speaking to Noah, refer to him alone. In the verse in 
Genesis 7, 1 offers us even more insight. It says, then the Lord said to Noah, enter the ark, you and all your household for you alone. I have seen to be righteous before me in this time. So it looks like Noah was the only one who really had what we would call a saving faith. And the translators differ on this for the word alone has different translations. But one thing that all of the translators agree on is that the you in these verses is singular and not plural. God calls attention to the faith of Noah and to no one else, not even a member of his family. So Noah built the ark and it looks like his act of faith didn't draw crowds. But we can't determine Noah's success based on our culture's definition of success. We as humans are poor judges of success and failure because we use the wrong measuring sticks. For us, success equals the rich, the powerful, the influential, and the attractive. If you had to point to someone in society and say, that's a success story, it's most likely someone who has money or fame or notoriety. For us, success equals all the things that the world dictates are successful. But these successes don't hold the same weight in God's kingdom. The things that we determine to be failures equal the poor, the broken, and the unimportant people. But these are often the same ones that God calls blessed. According to Jesus, it is possible to gain the whole world, to reach success according to the world's standards, and still fail at life because you lose your soul in the process. But at the same time, Jesus said that it is possible to lose all your possessions, your relationships, your status, and still succeed in what really matters, your relationship with God. The problem with how we measure for success is that we often make premature judgments. We base things on what we see, and we know that as humans, we have a finite vision. We cannot see everything, and we don't even know what's down the road like God We judge on the basis of what we presently see, present appearances, and then we draw conclusions as if we know the outcome of the story. But in reality, the end of the story won't be told in this world, but in the world to come, where some who are now first, who were successful, will be last, and others who are now judged to be last or failures will be the first in God's kingdom. The measures of success in God's upside down kingdom are not the same as those of this present age. And that's the key thing. God has an upside down view of success. So it's hard for us to determine success or what's successful in God's eyes because it's upside down. It's contrary to what we know to be success. So according to the world's definition of success, it's the achievement of a social status completing a goal, reaching an objective, or the achievement of an action in a specified set of time. And the way God defines success is so much different than the way the world does. We measure success by how many are in attendance or how much money was given. Success to those in the world means achieving something that is useful in this life on this earth. Success as God sees it is something that is achieved that is infinite and has eternal value and weight in this life and in the life to come. That's a huge difference. The Bible describes success in a different way than the world does. 
So as I mentioned, God has this upside down kingdom that has a totally different definition than our current culture. And his upside down kingdom doesn't mean that the poor and lowly are automatically counted as successful in his kingdom, while the rich or those with high ranking status are out of bounds for success. That's not what I'm saying here. There are people in the Bible who use their wealth or their high position for good, such as Joseph and Daniel. And even in pagan situations, these men serve the Lord faithfully at the highest level of government. Even Joseph of Arimathea used his wealth to provide a tomb for Jesus after his crucifixion. But more than wealth or a position, what these men had in common was that they served the Lord and his kingdom first with the resources that he had given them. So while they seemed successful because they had these great resources, they used them for the greater good of the kingdom instead of how the world would use them. So this is at the crux of what it means to succeed from a biblical perspective. Instead of building up our own personal kingdoms, the successful person will put God's kingdom first. He's willing to give up any of these things if they get in the way of serving God. He's willing to give up his status, his money, his resources, his following. If it means that he has to serve God, he'll give all that up or he'll use them for the advantage of God's kingdom so that he can be a good steward of what God has given him. So the successful steward is not the one who is entrusted with the most resources. That's what the world says. The world says that's success. It is a steward who's faithful with what he's given and has been entrusted to use it for the good of what God has called him to do. This is why we have to be careful of what we deem successful ministry. It has nothing to do with numbers or size or influence. Success is tied to the Lord being with us. That's key right there. When we have the Lord with us, then we prosper. That does not mean that everything will go perfectly because we can look at the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, who was thrown into prison without cause. Even though this was the case, Joseph was faithful to God and God blessed all those around him. And even Pharaoh's household was blessed as a result. In Genesis 39 verses two through six, it says the Lord was with Joseph and he was a successful man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and served him. Then he made him overseer of his house and all that he had put under his authority. So it was from the time that he had made him overseer of his house and all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and the field. Thus he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he did not know what he had except for the bread which he ate. And the same could be said of David. First Samuel 18 and 14 says, And David had success with all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. David's success and our success is only possible if the Lord is with us. And the Lord was with David because we know that he had many chances to take out King Saul, who was making his life miserable. And even though God had already established David as the king of Israel, David waited on the Lord to establish his rule. David knew that God had originally anointed King Saul 
but refused to kill King Saul because Saul was the Lord's anointed at that time. And David waited patiently. Some say it was as long as a decade for God to set things right. That's one of the reasons that David had success in all of his undertakings, because God was with him and he was patient and he allowed God to determine the timing of his success and how his success would take place. Another key to success is being rooted in the word of God. Psalm 1 says that a successful mark of blessed people is that they delight in God's word. They meditate on it day and night, pondering the wisdom of God's laws and the beauty of the gospel. It also says that they'll be wise in their relationship. They'll flourish like a well-watered tree with green leaves and abundant fruit in season. These people will stand the ultimate test in the day of judgment. But just because you're rooted in the word of God doesn't mean that the world will deem you successful. Often the world will think that you're not successful because you're not chasing the things of the world. The writer of Psalm 73 almost stumbled over the present prosperity of the wicked who seemed to be flourishing while godly people struggled. So while success looks like God being with you and you being rooted and grounded in the world, it won't look like success to the world. And oftentimes, and I know I've done this, you look at worldly people who aren't living according to God's standards and you see them prospering and flourishing and you sort of stumble over the irony of it and wonder, okay, so What is the standard for success? Another key component of success in God's eyes, and probably the most important, is obedience to God. Deuteronomy 2 and 7 says, For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Notice that the children of Israel lacked nothing And God had blessed the work of their hands. The only reason that this was possible was because the Lord was with them. Here's that again, the Lord being with you. If we are disobedient, the Lord will not be with us. And that means that we won't receive the blessings and we'll lack many of the things that God's presence brings. They're related. Obedience and blessings equal godly success. First Chronicles 12 and 18 says, Then the spirit clothed Amasa, chief of the 30, and he said, We are yours, O David, and with you, O son of Jesse. Peace, peace to you, and peace to your helpers, for your God helps you. Then David received them and made them officers of his troops. David got help because David had been pleasing God so much. So when we're pleasing God, God will come to our help. David received this help because David had been pleasing God. So when we're pleasing God, we can be sure that we will be blessed. Success sometimes comes in the form of other people helping us, but only if we are obedient to the Lord. And the beautiful thing about God's kingdom is that success is not required for entry. We don't have to have a long list of credentials. We don't have to have a vast amount of resources or influence or followers on social media. All that we need is the success that Jesus Christ accomplished for us on the cross. Now, it didn't look like success by the regular logic of the world. God left his heavenly throne to be born in a stable. He headed up a small group of disciples who were constantly fighting amongst themselves as to who was the greatest, 
while failing to understand his simplest teachings. And at the end, they all abandoned Jesus and fled, and in some cases denied that they had ever met him. Then he was crucified on a cross. This was a punishment that was reserved for the most despised criminals. This was not the kind of resume that the world counts as success. But we have to remember that success is not our goal, at least not success according to the world's ways. Jesus is. Being with him, being like him, being obedient to him. Numbers and followers and influence don't define us as having made it. So don't fall into that trap. Don't look at someone on social media and say, oh my goodness, they have so many followers. They have to be in the middle of God's will. That is not always the case. It could be the person who has the smallest amount of followers, or maybe they're not even on social media who God is using in the most powerful of ways. Don't let the world's success trip you up. The single most important thing that you need to know about success is that God defines success, not the world. Just a small word of encouragement for those of you who may be chasing success and feeling like you're failing or you're not reaching the mark. So that's it for this episode of Unfolding Words. I just want to say a big thank you to all of you who have shared on social media about the podcast and who have left reviews. It really has been a great encouragement to me and continue doing that. I love seeing who's tuning in every week. You can tag me on Twitter at unfolding underscore words, Facebook and Instagram at unfolding words. And let me know that you're listening and how the podcast is touching you. So I'll see you back here next week with another thought. Until then, may God's word be a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. God bless you.